Hello and welcome to the Stats Bomb Transfers Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knutson. None of that boring World Cup nonsense. We're back on transfers. Yeah, it really is over now, and uh, we're, yeah, we get three weeks of insane transfer news and chat. Uh, so we're going to discuss, uh, well, a bit of everything, some rumours. We'll probably talk about what's happened, because there's quite a lot that's happened in parts, and we'll just see where we end up, because... A lot of money's going to get spent, Ted. A lot of money's already been spent. And, um, well, we can go straight to the top. <laughs> One club that's got an absolute fortune burning a hole in its pocket is Madrid. Who, uh, they got to spend that Ronaldo money somehow. That Ronaldo money. <clears throat> What's interesting was that, um, you know, we'd say that they have a fortune. And they they kind of do. But their finances suggest that they don't have, like, a fortune to spend up front. Uh... And I'm not an expert in Madrid finances, so maybe that's just nonsense. Like I could, I would believe that Florentino Perez can magic up money from wherever he possibly wants to. But uh, yeah, they. How do you replace a Ronaldo? <laughs> well, they have very little of the rumours seem to be about actually replacing Ronaldo with a Ronaldo type player. Since uh, what what have we got so far? Like recurrent, like kind of echoes of Will Neymar go somewhere, and then Hazard. Who I still think he's too old for the the thing is what is Madrid's profile for for attacking transfers now? It's so many years since they've actually really got stuck into it. Um, you don't know. Before it was like sign Bale at twenty three or twenty four or however old he was, and you know Hamez the same, and you know get them young and you know get their best years and then ship them on, and then they kind of let Ronaldo and Benzema and um, Bale to a degree kind of age with them. Well, Bale was signed at the perfect age, right? Sure, absolutely. And then, you know, he had some issues with the the injuries. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hazard might be too old for that perfect age. But I don't think that this one was kind of perfectly planned. And that's why it seems like Madrid might be slightly off step for what they, they usually are. And the other thing, uh, go on. The other thing about Hazard is like he finally with Sarri in at Chelsea, he might actually get like a fun manager to play under rather than. That's like, true. Like attacking, lots of passing. I think, yeah. I mean, he might might want to move. He's been in London for a long time. Maybe they've settled pretty well. He's a definitely a family guy. Um, the the interesting bit about the Madrid stuff is, you know, they don't. Hmm, they do have talent, but almost all of it's aging. They've got some young talent there that's going to get more playing time. Asensio is there. Uh, quite interesting. They don't necessarily have to go for like the same profile. You can't directly replace Ronaldo. You know that. Uh, the Courtois rumor is also there, and it looks like Chelsea might be ready on that one. So that's intriguing. Um, but yeah, like Real Madrid, you know, I, I guess there's always the pressure we have to compete right now, this year, every year. But on the flip side, like if you can't find the talent that you're looking for this year, Maybe you you know put some trust in some of those young players and uh, and see where you end up. Uh, like what happens after Ronaldo leaves? We don't actually know. They don't know. They, they they I'm sure that nobody in Madrid right now knows exactly what the impact of Ronaldo was on their their playing style uh, with a new manager coming, everything like that. So maybe you just you know maybe you park everything for a little bit, reassess, and then figure out who your targets are because you're spending so much money. But that's not a very Madrid way, are they? They're just going to buy Neymar somehow. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you have to bet your life on it, you'd, you'd probably come back to something like that. Like just that they will just actually find a find a way of doing doing something wild. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's long been speculated how how they transition after Ronaldo and obviously Barcelona after Messi as well. Whenever that happens, and now we're here, which is it's probably equally as fascinating as Arsenal after Wenger. But you know, it's, it's that same like <laughs> they thought it would never happen, and now now we're there. Um, well, I, I think uh, <laughs> you and I briefly talked about it. Like, there, there's still context around this Ronaldo thing, right? Like, he was ready to leave, but also the tax stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they, they did a bit of a got the hell out of Bronx kind of. The, Sp- the Spanish tax authorities uh, have, have taken some serious bites out of an awful lot of footballers at this point, including like Alexis Sanchez, allegedly getting denied. Uh, yeah, yeah, can't get in America for, for, for tax tax problems, and so like you know, uh, I don't know if there are other countries that are more lax uh, necessarily towards footballers generally or people paying their taxes. Um, I don't want to comment on. Italy without saying anything like that but uh, yeah you can understand why Ronaldo might have felt hey it's time to move especially the Ronaldo Corporation as it is <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Lock, stock, and barrel. Ronaldo, Ronaldo Corp. Corp has now moved <laughs> moved countries. Yeah, he'll, he'll have a robo he'll have a, a, a RoboCop model designed just after him, right at, right when he retires, so he can continue to terrorize defenses everywhere. <laughs> Start cloning himself or something. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, Madrid have a hole, but th- this kicks on. This kicks this whole Ronaldo thing. It kicks things on because uh, Iguain, who's now He's 30 now. He's not young himself, is he? But he's he's had a bit of a down season at um, Juventus last year. Can't see how he gets in the team now. I mean, he's he's suffered for Argentina for years as being a side man to Messi. Now he's now he's been a side man to Ronaldo at various points in his career. Ed Dybala, um, who also yeah. couldn't get on the pitch in the World Cup despite being like literally <laughs> one of the best like 15 players in the world last year yeah yeah so Higuain uh, really looks like a um, possible uh, departure there and they, they surely Juventus will want to uh, yoink a bit of cash back it was such a dumb fee for that and I full props to Napoli for saying well if you want him like you're going to pay as much and more that's deserved because you know you've, you've made this league so lopsided anyway um yeah, so like they want to probably get some get some cash back. The interesting question is like, what is the right amount to pay? This is a good Iguain? point because, I mean, for good or for ill, that Ronaldo deal. Although you know you get so much more with Ronaldo, it does kind of like peg peg like older players as as being potentially expensive. I don't know. I feel like I mean I can't remember what I've seen for Higuain, but it's like maybe fifty, and that's a, that's a hell of a lot for an old striker. I saw but, sixty in euros. Right, uh, yeah. So, but then anything less, like twenty, thirty, feels like, you know, you're just passing the contract off, really. So, well, to some extent, yeah. And I have been very high on the Iguain train for a very long time, and uh, I remember talking to the journalists when he first moved uh, to to Italy, they're like, oh well. Strikers from Spain don't do well here. I'm like this is nonsense. This guy is amazing. Uh, I wanted him to come to Arsenal, and I'm so excited, man. This is the it's one of the few times that Sidlow has ever broken my heart that he mm-hmm. he wrote wrote that piece about Iguain coming to Arsenal, and then basically the deal <laughs> the deal got stolen. Yeah, these are past heartbreaks here. Um, so love Iguain generally, but now uh, Iguain does not. He's lived a good life. Let's say that, and uh, and looks like he's lived a good life. <laughs> yeah. So. 
if I'm buying Ronaldo, who looks like he's lived, you know, the life of a monk who only ever works out and eats uh, eats greens every day and a bit of protein to restock, Iguain does not look like that man. And his stats last year suggest that he's, you know, falling off and may have already fallen. Um, I don't want to pick him up. I, and I certainly don't want to do it with probably what is a, a pretty substantial contract at 60 and 40 still makes me wince, but I, I think that's probably like the market bottom on that. Like, you know, 35 with some clauses seems like you're kind of in range. I, I'm not making that deal, but like if you're, if you're stuck on that deal, if like Sari's like must have Higuain, like you still got to make sure that you come out of it in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like Chelsea, Chelsea's whole like striker idea is is. I mean, Chelsea fascinating where they, where Chelsea end up at the end of this transfer window is going to be genuinely interesting because, like, obviously get quitting on Morata just unless unless he's you know just hasn't settled in England at all and there's like wider issues there or something just seems like a really short term like blinded. Play. It's just not not a great idea. Obviously, they got Giroud in, and Conte played him plenty. And yeah, World Cup winner Olivier Giroud <laughs> on the staff. Um, World Cup semi-finalist, technically. Michi Batshuayi also. On <laughs> yeah. the, like, they they don't need anybody. They have Tammy Abraham as well. They've got they've <laughs> like, got real depth. Chelsea don't need anybody. They have they have four different strikers with four different play style, all of whom are good. Right, a bunch of dudes that can finish the finished balls. You know, can actually. You know, they're not necessarily like forwards, but they're strikers. They can. Finish. I, I can kind of, I can get a little bit about why you might think that Morata isn't the best fit because he's more of a headed ball type expert. Like that's where his biggest value comes from. But like maybe you you don't play him all the time. You use Tammy and and Mishi as your pace strikers. You know, can anybody do with the ball? I don't know. It's it's tough. It's an interesting set of moving parts. Like the other thing that Chelsea have are a lot of cast-offs that made no sense when they bought them mm. and now probably again make no sense and they're just sitting there and they've got lovely contracts and great for those guys for getting their money but what do you do with them and where was the sense in in this set of signings like where was the vision behind it this is the thing that always falls apart for me for so many clubs if you don't have vision to guide things through this to make tough choices on a regular basis and to make sure that like you don't get fat like, you end up with fat on the edge then it costs you a lot of money. Now, Chelsea are probably the single biggest club, or the club with the single easiest way of just, you know, chucking money out because they have so much value on their books in terms of their loan players that they can generate money anytime they want to. Like, they can generate probably $300 million if they wanted to do a series of sales without any problem. They've got something like 32 loan players or 35 regularly. They could sell a bunch of those for like pretty decent money and, and be able to generate revenue however they want. So like they're not in any danger of this. So like they can they can dig themselves out of these mistakes. But they do have fat on the, on the squad, and they have deals that didn't make sense. And now Sari plus whomever is executing the deals has to deal with that. And they've got a really short period of time to do it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I you never know how true these things are. I, I saw I saw a quote from Sarri saying he, he didn't he wasn't really interested in the transfers. He just wanted to coach the players and make them better, which is good attitude from a, from a manager. Um, so yeah, so potentially like he might not be interested in directing it. M and I left. Um, so who is so who is picking Chelsea's players right now? Because like like you say, like what we saw over the last kind of uh, January window and uh, last summer it wasn't that very wasn't very impressive 
so like yeah who's who's calling the shots right now and can they actually like you say make some pretty significant deals in a short space of time and land Chelsea with a balanced squad yeah my understanding from from people sort of around the club is that like Marina is very sharp and and has done you know good work over over the period and then Emanala was the person sort of doing the the deal work and and had kind of a huge remit um and got tired of of being basically fighting the fight against Conte and uh, being the the punching board so uh he moved on to to Monaco and I don't know I haven't had a whole lot of updates uh, about like how they're structured you know they'll get it done or they won't um sorry's a a good manager ignore the ignoring the other off the field commentary uh about that um they'll be interesting and and probably fun to watch and and like I said that Conte plus Jorginho midfield should make up for a lot of issues generally. It's just where all the, the moving parts end up, and uh, uh, the 11th of, of August is when we'll find out. Well, Conte's another one. There's been mild rumours around that he might you know, wander off to PSG or something. I mean, that would just be illogical to, <laughs> to, you know, to sort your midfield out and then immediately dismantle it, but... <laughs> Stranger things have happened. How amazing would it be for for PSG to sell Neymar and buy Conte? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hmm. the, balance, isn't it? It's all about getting balance into your squad. I mean, that, that's the thing with Neymar. You can't deny his quality, but you know, you just you just feel like he just kind of absorbs your attacks. And you know, I, I was talking to Nikos about this yesterday. Um, Nikos is, is one of our professional scouts that we've worked with for a long time one of the sharper tactical technical minds in the game yeah just the idea that like yeah players that absorb all your attack and meanwhile the rest of your players are, are kind of uh, you know not doing so well so they might have fantastic individual stats a la Neymar but you know is that at the cost of the rest of your attack uh, mm-hmm. it's a theoretical question but you know it's, it's you know something 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 to ponder about and Neymar does feel feel like he could be that that type of player not that he isn't uh, you know a very generous assister and creator because he is but you know the, I think the the semi no not semi final the, the the Belgium game was a classic example where like all of Brazil's tags just went through their left side and Neymar and Willian was kind of like drifting around on the right anyway yeah, I don't think that's going to happen under Tuchel like not in <laughs> any way shape or form well, again, these are quotes. We're talking rumours here. Uh, some, some, something I read somewhere this morning saying that uh, Tuchel saying that Mbappe was the only player that was unsellable. So you never know. Maybe he's, he's already ahead of that and thinks, well, I want balance. I want Conte. Well, it's interesting. He he technically has two generational talents on his squad, but he's mm. choosing the younger generational talent that has the pace. Um, yeah, they can probably almost certainly play up front too if they need him to and uh and yeah like if i'm looking at that squad i'm definitely not selling mbappe um beyond that yeah we'll see <laughs> cool all right what do we got next <laughs> i don't know what have we got next That's a good point. That, got, that got a bit uh that got a bit uh, varied good i don't even know where we started on that one i guess we started with ronaldo so we, <laughs> we, we, we hit like all the big players messi's not moving cool move on <laughs> <laughs> i think just to heart back to something quickly there i think the idea that uh we Teams that teams are once more getting to the stage where they're unable to shift players. Uh, it seems to have like become stronger and stronger. Like we'll be sat here at the end of August or week after the window shuts, and you'll be like, "That guy's just spent the last two years out on loan. 
yeah, he's back at you know, Arsenal or whoever. And you'll wonder why a deal never got made. And I think there's just not that many spaces to get rid of like people on reasonable size contracts. Uh, you know, you well, can't. not that many resources inside of clubs, too. We, we talked to some people in the industry about this like a year ago. And there's an awful lot of resources for buying players, but there's right. very few resources to figure out where they go next. The Premier League is classically going to have this problem where they overpay people now because they have too much money compared to everybody else. So in order to get them, they often have to give them a nice deal. But then if they don't work out, they either have to eat part of the deal in order to ship somebody or they just stay. Um, yeah, yeah one, of the, one of the things that kind of might not be fully understood about this window is that like the, the Premier League clubs will still be able to sell into Europe or uh, I think the Chinese window closes quickly so they won't actually be able to sell China but they could sell into like Turkey or wherever and they could loan also so that's possible but they have to get their incoming deals done and that's probably where a lot of the focus is on um, but yeah like by the point that the the season starts you still got a lot of moving parts the loans good luck <laughs> but it, it's almost like there's this whole other department inside of clubs that, that needs to be made that's like the bad news department <laughs> this, this, this new new rejig uh, window and actually might help that because you know, if literally all the clubs are doing right now is, is buying, you know, looking to buy, and then, you know, they've got three weeks or two and a half weeks afterwards where all they can do is, like, you know, ship players on or loan them out, like, that's, you know, the focus will be solely on that, whereas before it would have been, you know, a mix with probably, you know, people like Tottenham or something, you know, hedging their bets and trying to cut some late deals, as they always do and always will do, Um but like yeah definitely with a slight edge towards the buying side it um, probably makes Daniel Levy crazy right because he, <laughs> he he does wait and he he's waiting for the market to shake out and pick up good deals and, and or not and uh, that doesn't actually happen anymore he's never going to have that opportunity there's nobody in Europe that is looking at their squad and looking at their payroll now and they're like well we got to get this guy out of here and you know the, the window's shutting for everybody so, so suddenly, like the window shuts in the Premier League, and they still got that guy. They still have the opportunity to ship him elsewhere. You don't get a chance to capitalize on the on the fear of missing out or or the panic that you're not going to make your budget for the year. Well, as a surprise of <laughs> to the surprise of nobody, Spurs are like uh, <laughs> being quite uh, cautious. You signed lots of guys. You, you signed tons. <laughs> no, as guys. you always do. <laughs> no, guys. My sole concern here is that they actually, they actually sign first teamers rather than depth, uh, but. We'll see about that. The greenish thing still drags. I've, I swear, for about a week, ten days, if you know, if you poke around in various places, people think this greenish deal gets done. Um, I did mean to look at his. He, he was immediately going to Spurs the moment that Villa had to pay the tax man, right? Yeah, that well, was, that well, was the rumor. Well, yeah, but this is the thing, isn't it? So obviously, the <laughs> Spurs smell blood and think they can probably shave a few quid off the deal. You know, yeah, that's hot, what's going on. Has to coals on the other side, and there's. Daniel Levy over here, and he's just waiting for the wall to back up. <laughs> I meant to, I meant to look at his stats actually. Uh, I, I, I think I got halfway towards doing it earlier, but um, like the only thing I was concerned about, I did look at his shot map, Grealish's shot map, which was a bit, uh, hmm, it's Pochettino friendly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly fires them in from range. But, Grealish um, feels very much like a midfielder to me. Hmm. Uh, I think that's probably a fair statement, right? He's he's a midfielder and he shoots from midfield range. Uh, he has this this horrible. Like, it's it's not good. 
this horrible section where he gets blocked all the time. And I think that actually, like, we probably rate his expected goals even lower than that because of the the new data and how it it shows like defenders being in front of him. But yeah, he's got a really bad patch, like just to the top left of the D and further back. Um, he doesn't shoot from like insanely long ranges, but like he's it's just not a good spot. He's got one goal out of something like twenty five shots from that range. If you can fix that, then he's like heavily. He doesn't get inside the the width of the box very often either. Uh, when he does, he he scores goals. But my sense is that he's best as a creator, and you should use him that way. And you should not expect him to score many goals right now. Yeah, what have I got? He's he's, quite, he's pretty dribbly, and he completes a lot of passes high up the pitch, which yeah. is like so. I guess. Well, I mean, it's a, it's not quite Ericsson's not very dribbly, but I guess Alt Ericsson is 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 a light way of looking at this. Um, probably slightly wrong but yeah he's, he's a good enough passer to really be able to unlock teams and people who who su- suggest that maybe he's a, a bit of like Mesut Ozil at him it's not incorrect like he now that Grealish is back to being dedicated um, and this is a kid who, who generally struggled for to find his way for a year or two um, understandably so and you know Villa were <laughs> Villa were an absolute mess around him so it's not like he had good structure to, to help out from the club um, but now that he's kind of back on top of it and, and appears to be dedicated that he looks like a very good young player that could be a, a really top talent with his skill set uh, where he ends up at what price and what you expect him to do those are all more challenging he's going to Tottenham I tells you <laughs> alright James you heard it here <laughs> yeah from my from my vague vantage point but yeah I'd be surprised if he doesn't turn up and uh, he's probably one of the one of the more interesting young talents uh, out there so um, is anyone else coming to Tottenham and is anyone leaving hmm well that's the question supposedly uh, the grapevine has uh, Alderweireld having like burnt his bridges uh, a while ago um, supposedly like would like not to burn his bridges a bit and interest has cooled from elsewhere it's possibly, too, it's possibly too late for that. <laughs> yeah. There's continual rumours around Danny Rose maybe maybe going somewhere. I don't know. You, you need to go and sign another left back if if that if he goes anywhere. And um, Dembele, I guess. Dembele talked. You know, he's running into his last year of his contract, which is not the way to um, gain favour with the head honchos at, over at Spurs. So well, maybe, screw those guys. Right. <laughs> so maybe maybe he ends up somewhere. And you do, um, who you else do need it? to replace. But So, like, Dembele was definitely shopped into China in the in the winter window, um, you know, whether that was the club mandate or, or his agent looking for a deal, but definitely was a guy whose name was was present in the, the Chinese window, uh, probably more so than, than the European side. And, you know, understandably, he would like to have a new deal and... And maybe he stays at Spurs, but I, it doesn't seem like a Spurs thing to keep a guy that no, has it, a not great injury history, even if he's an excellent player. Yeah, uh, he's 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 managed his his injuries literally nearly his whole Spurs career, and uh, you know the wrong side of thirty. Even you know for all the quality he can bring at times, uh, you know, the percentage call surely is to is to try and replace him in some way. But like Danny Rose is just ready to go, a bit like Walker was ready to go last year, right? But yeah, but I mean, but that's I mean that's difficult because he hasn't had. In the last season, he hasn't had consistent minutes. Right? Even in, even for England, he was a, he was a sub guy, and you wondered, you know, surely peak Danny Rose gets in the, gets in the England team ahead of uh, Ashley Young, but he didn't. But would he get into the FIFA World Cup team of the tournament? <laughs> <laughs> 
I tell you what, that, that fraud thing that went round, uh, I didn't see it until until the guy explaining how he'd how he'd uh, uh, fixed it, and uh, people had fallen for it all over. So that was quite fun. But that that was one of those ones that immediately was like, this can't be right. <laughs> what, what did they do? They put Paulinho in there after rejecting putting Fellaini in there. And it's like, well, <laughs> that makes it more believable. Apparently so, but yeah, I don't know. Good fun, all good fun at this point of the. Of the year, what else? Vincent, Vincent Jensen's still on the Spurs squad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's exactly that kind. Of, I mean, I imagine he'll go. Lorente's L- also on the Spurs squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine Jans will get loaned out somewhere. But that that's exactly the kind of the kind of deal, uh, the kind of player that you, you will like look at in September. You're like, oh my god, they've still they, they've still got him. You know, a, a two years ago mistake who who they haven't been able to, uh, a, you know, a club hasn't been able to kind of like fob off fully. Um, but yeah, to rephrase, to rephrase this in Arsenal terms, the interminable contract of Matthew Debushi, which, <laughs> which I said in, in in one of the pieces last year, because we were like, wait, he still has two years left on his contract as of this summer. Uh, like Joel Campbell, you kind of understand because he's never really been in. Yeah, and he's not not giving him huge money or anything. He's just like, you know, it's, it's <laughs> but, not. But Debushi was there forever, and they never got rid of him, and he was always just. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we have no idea what's going on at Spurs per usual. Any other good rumors? Ooh, there's some Everton stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the like the look of this one. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, there's was talking the other day about Malcolm uh, to Everton. He got he got shopped around, or it seems to be getting shopped around a lot in the winter window. There were links with Spurs and all all sorts. And now we've entered the summer, and uh, he seems to have dropped down a notch. So we've had this happen a couple times, right? Uh, just this season, actually. Ed Malian mentioned somebody who um, kind of fell off. Oh, uh, Bellotti, Andrea Bellotti. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, does anybody know what happened to this guy? Because he was rumored for like huge money last summer. And, and I said, well, I haven't watched a lot of it, but he performed exactly to his expected goals this year, as opposed to being like a, a 50% overperformer the year before. Yeah. So it took him from like 0.45 up to like you know 0.65 or something like that, which puts you in the top 5% of, of forwards. And and so he fell off and he got a bit injured and so he just looked like an average forward. And this is the thing. If you don't sell at the right times when like the iron's hot or when like the press is out there, like Malcolm was super, super heated in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that Spurs were in, involved, Arsenal were involved in this and that, and it might have been agent leaks, but I don't think so. Like he was, he's he's still a very interesting player, so let's let's be clear on that. But yeah, they didn't sell. And so instead of looking at like you know forty million around there or something like that, now you're looking at Everton and twenty five plus clauses, maybe thirty. Um, do you like him? I think he's quite a nifty player. He's quite talented. Uh, yeah, you, you're right. He maybe cooled off a little bit in the second half of that season, um, but he's still very young. Um, there's there's enough to work with there. But I think we, we discussed this before. We came on. the 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 interesting story is that, that supposedly they want to ship off uh, Lookman uh, and get Malcolm in as a replacement. And Lookman seems like has quite a talent, possibly. Yeah, there's there's no way that I would I would ship <laughs> Lookman in exchange for for Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I, get them both on your books and uh, exactly. But you know, fight fight it out, lads, or whatever. But um, yeah, it just seems just seems an odd odd deal to. Unless you know Lookman again, you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Unless Lookman has burnt his bridges at, at Everton somewhat. Um, well, I, I know there was deep frustration in the Big Sam period, and like there, I think there were some internal fights, allegedly anyway, 
about him going outwards um, and, and being like, look, I want to go somewhere where I can play in like a good style and yeah. maybe run a little bit. And that was certainly not the case under Big Sam. And, you know, the, I think the, the fans responded to that and the ownership responded as well. So it's not it's not just Lookman's uh, issues there. Uh, you got to rebuild potentially the bridges. Um, yeah, Leipzig in form. Leipzig don't have the Champions League this next year. Mm. I think they fell down to Europa. So, yeah, there isn't that. Uh, extra kind of cherry on top of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, Lookman's performance at Leipzig looked awesome. And given where he often played, which is left-sided, right? Uh, was he? Yeah, he was more left, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Malcolm more right wing. <clears throat> These two guys, and given what Silva kind of did with Richarlison early in the season last year, like you would think that this is a, a pretty good package to, to put together. Now, there are budget constraints. Like, let's be totally honest about this. <clears throat> Looking at what happened with Everton last summer and the kind of mess that it has been behind and that needs to be tidied up, like, you can you could see how they might not necessarily have a lot of budget flexibility unless they get a gift from from on high. Like, speaking, speaking of players that are still at the club. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, Everton's probably not <laughs> A scary, scary look. <laughs> Kevin Morales? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, my God. Sandro Ramirez? Omar Nias? <laughs> They've got a lot of work to do, haven't they? But yeah, after Everton's weird last summer, like get, going, get in and, going in and trying to find some, some like, you know, high upside ones for the future. Um, I'm behind that as a, as a concept. They, you know, they, they, Everton won't have any problems. I don't think they, they. You know, they had obviously obviously a bad start last season and struggled after after the ridiculous summer they had. But you know, they they they're the perfect team to actually like like experiment with because they shouldn't get in genuine trouble. And you know, if they if they did actually like start nailing their transfers and um, really kind of uh, pulling through. You know, good talent and building a building a squad long term. They they could they could actually. I'd say seventh place. I mean, seventh place is Everton's Everton's spiritual home <laughs> these days. But you know, there, there's there's a chance that they could actually build on something. Something like Leicester. Leicester have been trying to do also, and like Leicester Leicester signing this this summer look kind of quite pragmatic and quite useful. You know, they they they, they look a little more considered than some of the ones they've they've made in the past. And, and that's Hang the on, thing. I, I, I want to go back to Everton though before we get get away from them and the other. This squad is insane. <laughs> there are so many players here. Like you go to transfer market, you look, you like Michael Keane is a centre back. Okay, Mason Holgate is a centre back. Yeah, okay, depth maybe. Ashley Williams is there. Jack Yilk is still there. Okay, <laughs> and and Williams has a contract through 2019, so his is his last year. Jagielka also this last year. So like you've got two of the aging guys. Uh, but then there are like two more listed on there: Tyus Browning and and Matthew Pennington, who may or may not go out on loan. Uh, lower, Leighton Baines still there, <laughs> age, age thirty three. Also, contract ends next year. Um, Brendan Galloway, who's kind of been loaned around for a long time, thought that he was talented. Uh, not sure how well he's done since the loans, but you know there's some promise there. Um, three right backs: Seamus Coleman, John Joe Kenny, Cuco Martina, still there. Obviously, you know, he was signed from uh, <laughs> from two managers ago. So, like, that's the right back. Then we get into, like, I mean, I'm going to keep going because this is long. <laughs> if, if you guys need a need a break, like, you know, come back. I'll still be <laughs> listing off Everton players that are currently on the squad. Uh, Schneiderlin, still there. Uh, Besic, also there. Address a gay, uh, there. Tom Davies, James McCarthy, 
Uh, I don't know this this other kid, Benny Bending. Gimme. Uh, he played he played a bit um, around Christmas or before Christmas, I think. But yeah, he's he's he's, he's part of the squad for sure. Yeah, exactly. Gilfie Sigurdsson, Davy Klassen, Nikola Vlasic. So we're mostly done with the midfield at this point. That seems like a lot of players, right? Like that's like basically a full Jose Mourinho squad of players. Uh, Jose Mourinho, sorry. Um, <laughs> all right, now we're in the left wings. Yannick Balassi, Adam Lookman, sure. Um, you know, intriguing. Balassi had some injury problems. Like overpaid for him initially. Uh, right wings: Theo Walcott, uh, Kevin Morales. Uh, they are twenty-nine and thirty. Uh, we, we go to uh, we go to the forwards now, of which there are four listed, of which there are four that have played some. Um, so Tosun, uh, who seemed to have a good start, but 27, like we'll see how, how well he's able to to carry on. But he, I think he he overperformed, but performed better than my fear, um, given the age that he came and the league that he came from, uh, and the I think NGI or. I can't even pronounce his name, but the guy who ended up at Stoke was a midfielder that came from the same yeah, league yeah. and just was not good. So like, there's kind of that fear around it. But Calvert Lewin looks like you know somebody part of the future, not necessarily maybe the the same style that you're looking for under the Silva. But we'll see. And then Sandro Ramirez and and Niasse are still there too. So like that is a that's like 25, 30 guys. It feels like a ton. So you got to be really careful about any incomings, but you also want to make that a better team and. Maybe you can make it a better team, at least partly by just having a, a better head coach that plays a better style there. They've got some that, that cut out a lot of deals that end as of 2019, especially on their back line. But, man, that's that's a tough rebuilding project for, for brands and company there. You look at that squad, and the prob- I think the problem is, right, you, let, let, let's pick Everton's first team. Okay, right, Pickford, done. Right, now what? Hmm. And then it's just you're just struggling from there on in because they're just options. Or they've just got options in like every position but they're, they're really lacking kind of like nailed on first team like this guy starts every game maybe midfield defensive midfield's a little bit more straightforward you'd probably put Idris Agay in there and I don't know maybe Schneidlin nowadays um, but yeah and what the hell formation are they going to play I mean I, I'm, I'm not up to speed with what Silva's done there but yeah you're right I mean one thing he's got in his favour he was at Watford last uh, last year <laughs> Watford have got a similarly kind of speaking, uh, speaking of a place with misfit toys <laughs> it's, it's, yeah a similarly kind of like revolving door recruitment policy of players kind of coming and going out at will so yeah you you've, you've, you kind of make best I suppose that's um, yeah if, if anyone's actually got experience of kind of blending the parts together then he I, has I, did, I didn't mean this to be a, a sort of an Everton preview as podcast but it, it feels like just given the squad and all of the newness around it this is very much a transitional year um, you know seventh is not impossible but I think I also agree with your point that they feel like they they could over time also given the the money involved punch above their weight Leicester another club that, that certainly has kind of done some things like that but and, and obviously did punch way above their weight one year. The question is, can they stabilise and stay there? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, those two teams in Southampton until they fell in a hole, if you felt like the teams that were, um, you know, in that kind of slot that... I mean, we've said West Ham. West Ham, I mean, we can easily, like, move to them. West Ham have actually made signings I don't hate, Ted. This is unheard of. Um, <laughs> but, you know, another team that's in that kind of slot that um, could could just kick upwards if they just get a few things right. I don't like all their signings. 
but I like some, some of their signings. And it's Talk to me, baby. Encouraging. Talk to me about sexy West Ham signings. <laughs> well, Felipe Anderson just feels like, you know, I'm just amazed nobody took, has taken a punt on him uh, at any point in the last kind of two or three years. I think he was pretty good last season. The season bef- before that, I think he, he might was awesome. She might got shunted back to kind of like wing back at one point and like it wasn't, wasn't quite so good. And then the season before that, he had an absolute stellar year yeah and that was the year that you thought that like maybe someone would literally come out and spend a load of money on him like 14-15 was the season where it looked mm. like he was very clearly Champions League ready and, and yeah. someone should definitely move for him and then since that time he's still been quite good for the most part uh, you know as as James mentioned the positional elements will cause problems with your <laughs> with your stats and yeah, sure. your output but yeah, he st- he still looks like a, a quite a good player and somebody that you know most teams, even in and around the the top six, should be interested in. Yeah, and you, you know you're pretty, you're for West Ham to get him, it, it feels like yeah, that's that's a that's a decent effort, and they've paid if they've paid the fee. That, but you know that mid, was interesting. Yeah, mid, the mid range teams can nowadays. The, the money coming out of West Ham right now though feels very punchy. Hmm. Like who else they got? Yarmolenko. I'm not I'm not wild about the Yarmolenko to Dortmund was odd in itself. It felt like a just, that was just a panic. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. clearly a panic buy. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he's a little bit on the old side. But seventeen and a half million isn't silly money these days. And and it's, you know, he's a potential, potential kind of upside player. Again, it's West Ham. That's not a like bad that gamble. Deal. You don't like uh, that deal, fair enough. I I think I think the problem that West Ham is the exact same one that Everton have, but they're spending and and West Ham are not. Or sorry, West Ham are spending at the moment and Everton are not. Like that's why it's big. And it needs to fit. It needs to fit a very different style than it has been run through over the last couple of years. And so, like this, may be slightly challenging too. Lanzini is going to be out long term. Um, their forwards are Chicharito, Andy Carroll, and Jordan Hugel, which was the most baffling deal of the winter window. <laughs> yeah. um, right wings are at the moment Felipe Anderson, Yarmolenko, Mikhail Antonio injured again, uh, but she probably should. Sorry, he'll he'll be back. Um, and Snodgrass. Which again, where does everybody fit? Has Alfred Snodgrass gone? Where, where was he at Villa? Or was it alone? No, it's that was alone. One of these ones, isn't it? Yes, that was <laughs> alone. Of course, I can't see Snodgrass coming back. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he he was at Villa. Well, yes, James, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no one's at Villa anymore. Poor Villa. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> well, that, I think the Lanzini ex- injury actually quite hurt. So I think that that he would be an obvious starter that would would go right from the beginning there. Um, Fabianski though, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that too. Fredericks on, Fredericks on a free is fine. Wilshire yes. on a free? Ted? I, I'm i not allowed to state opinions on Wilshire anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, the thing is, like, you know, I'm no Wilshire fan. But like Wilshire on a free, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not the it's worst thing in the world, is like, it? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's a D-up for like $22 million is a is a very punchy centre-back move. But like one that I like, he's only 21, um, probably... Yeah, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by that one, and I think that it, it's pretty clear that um, Pellegrini and and the the guy that they installed as director of football, who I'm forgetting his name right now, but came in with some some pretty good connections and some ideas of how they wanted to rebuild this, and they're doing it, and they're being allowed to do so. So I think West Ham, in such a weird, bizarre position, but I guess that's the the way of the world right now. West Ham look very optimistically decent at the moment and yeah, are building in a way that is way more sensible than they have before yeah it's, it's yeah i mean the thing is what we what we're reflecting back on is an absolute you know joe hart on loan <laughs> you know that's that's what we're comparing it to so so 
this is an improvement. Yeah. James is saying nice thing about West Ham. Um, and you also so want to hit on? How many center forwards do Leicester have on their squad right now that you have heard of? <laughs> My God. Um, What's the over-under? I don't know. Who Give me a Vardy, Ian Acho, um, um, Okazaki still there? Yeah. Have they signed anyone? Slimani must have come back. Still there. That was that's just never worked, has it? It's looked like an overpay at the time. And Ujoa. Is he there? Because well, he's there. on loan, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, this is it. All these people you think have and, gone and, and they're on loan. Technically, uh, Med Musa, come back. Um, you know, is is around, but I don't think he's really a, a center. No, that's what he's I past. think he's. I think he's getting sold. There was some again. Like, you just can't believe anything at this time of year. There was some no. crazy talk saying that like Leicester were going to flog Musa for thirty million. It's like <laughs> surely not. Let's double their money on someone who's barely played for. For them, it's like well, but yeah, like five forwards is five center forwards is probably too many, <laughs> mm. and and that's the challenge, right? Like it's it's tough to it's tough to sell with big wages. Um, you can't sell directly down in the championship. It's it's impossible. Like Premier Premier League players, um, and and a lot of the, almost all the clubs now have uh, relegation clauses. So like if you've got two years le- left on your average Premier League deal, which is going to be like forty thousand, like say medium Premier League deal, forty thousand pounds a week or whatever, you can't go down in the Championship. There's like two clubs down there that are going to want to afford you, and you've got to be real good if you want to go go down there or if they're going to want you. Um, I do like the James Madison deal for for Leicester a lot. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Kapuska. He's kind of disappeared into the into the mix there. But we thought he was quite good when we looked at him at Brentford. Um, uh, they paid like eight million pounds for him. Uh, so very very talented uh, ability coming out of Poland was 18 or 19 when we first looked at him. He's 21 now, so he's like not at the end. But Madison was tremendous in the championship last year, a bit the way that, that Grealish was, but uh, a different set of skills. Like Madison, you're a little more comfortable shooting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm okay with that as well. He's he's the kind of kind of guy who's had a good season um, and d- deserves his chance in in the Premier League and will probably be. Pretty decent Premier League starter as time goes on. We haven't mentioned Arsenal. We haven't mentioned Liverpool. You know any of these teams you want to punt at? Uh, <laughs> just said nothing. <laughs> Liverpool seem to do good things regularly, and they're mostly doing good things again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean this Allison deal. I, I I mentioned this yesterday on Twitter, and oh my god, my all all my my whole point here, my only point I was trying to make was that, like, you know, it's a lot of money for a goalkeeper, and what is it about Allison that makes him a £70 million goalkeeper that you couldn't just go out and buy a £40 million goalkeeper and pocket the difference and use it elsewhere or whatever. But that's all I wanted to know. <laughs> you know, there must be a number two, number three on that list. And, and did, no... did, did your mentions say nice <laughs> things to you? <laughs> I've got no problem with Liverpool going out and buying their first choice, like, keeper if they want to, and spending an insane amount of money on it. That's fine. Do that if you want to. Like... They're trying to compete with Man City. You have to, like, you know, you have to buy starters and you have to spend top whack if you're going to do that. Gee, everyone in the world has got an opinion on Liverpool transfers. <laughs> I mean, and like <laughs> the nuance of my point was lost quickly. Uh, so yeah, if you want a quiet life on Twitter, don't uh, don't talk too heavily about <laughs> Liverpool transfers. I think it's probably, I think it's probably, probably. Like, apart from the fee seeming very expensive, because it's a keeper and keepers don't go for 70 million, I think it's, you know, it looks like they've gone out and they've picked their first choice keeper and, and that's that's fine. But, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they are doing smart things and that feels like another 
piece of the puzzle. It feels like such a political minefield for me to talk about, so I'm going to just stay out of the way. <laughs> like, fair enough. Let's move quickly on. Like the, the, the topics that we could touch on involving Liverpool and or goalkeepers and or transfers, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna duck this one. Uh, we can move on to Arsenal if you want. I probably should duck that one too. <laughs> goalkeepers though, Ted. Goalkeepers. Like, uh, are we at liberty to talk about this at all? Would yeah, you? sure. Go ahead. No, that, yeah. that, that part's fine. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we've been working. Well, uh, Derek, who's our uh, data scientist at uh, Statsbomb, has been working on a goalkeeper module, and he's done a lot of work on that with the the new data set that we've got, which is interesting. <laughs> you can elucidate if you'd like to. I think it's actually pretty very promising. Uh, it's one of the things that I'm I'm kind of more excited about than I have been for a while, and one of the things we'd hope to get out of the data. Like there are a lot of things we want to get out of the data. Uh, defensive and pressure is is a big one. Uh, goalkeeper information and just being able to evaluate them from a statistical standpoint was another huge one. Um, and a lot of this has been like theory time. Derek and I spent a good chunk of time talking about how to evaluate goalkeepers and skill sets and how do we tie that to the stats. And um, yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, he's He played goalkeeper uh, at college at a university level in the United States. Um, so he's got like a good a good background in a lot of the fundamentals. You know, we're talking to, to people who have knowledge in this area too. Like David Priest has very generously given us some of his time to to you know evaluate some of our ide- ideas, and I'm sure that you know we'll be talking to other ones too. Um, I think goalkeeper is like this this fundamentally missing thing in statistical analysis in football because we didn't have any stats to do it, and the reason why it didn't exist wasn't you know Sam Sam Jackson's been out there doing some stuff, and full credit to him, like he's collected a lot of his own data to do it. Mm. Uh, so we had to. You know, we ended up getting this out of everything else we put into the new data set. And I think it'll be the first time that I have felt like we could do similar to what we do internationally uh, with our, our scouting work and our, our data analysis work, which is just to find the names that you think might be good. Uh, like, that's the biggest challenge to start. And how do we evaluate them? And Derek's perspective is actually really cool and, and very enlightening in that goalkeepers are completely a product of their system. Like yeah. the, the shots that they face are a product of what the defense gives up, the, or occasionally what some genius with the, on a dribble get, um, creates. But, so that's part of it. The, the distribution that they do is also uh, directly based on the system. Are you playing short or are you paying long? Um, also, what is the defense forcing you to do? Like If you can't pass short to... Your center backs because they're they're pressured. Then you have to do something else. So like all these things make it quite tricky to evaluate a goalkeeper and and what they're actually doing and what they might do in in different circumstances. And a lot of the approaches that we're taking and building into Statsmom IQ hopefully can isolate a lot of the noise there. But it is it is simply the first time that I feel like we've had a handle uh, on you know the very top and the very bottom of, of the goalkeepers. We not, might not be able to differentiate the, the middle tier. We might just only be able to say, yeah, they seem about at average <laughs> at these things. I think one of the points that in, interests me in regards to this is um, a, a lot of the work that, I mean, people, people have, have done work and we've seen it publicly on goalkeepers to try and get an understanding of uh, like who is like better within season. And, you know, w- we one of the things that came out of last season was obviously David de Gea was well ahead of um, basically XG models uh, before and after pre and post shot. Um, but the interesting thing beyond that was that 
Burnley played two keepers through the season and both their keepers came out ahead of um, expectation which you know creates the the interesting idea of either Burnley have got two brilliant keepers or Burnley's system actually protects their keepers uh, yeah. to a greater degree than um, than other teams and I think the more we've looked the more we've looked like Will's done some work uh, looking at pressing and stuff and, and he's found things the more we've looked at like impressing things in Burnley the more it becomes apparent that like Burnley's system is actually like massively responsible for um, I think well <laughs> I think it's probably massively responsible for the fact that they overachieve against like kind of general you know normal naive XG models and the more you look at it the more what's going on there and like going into the keeper stuff like actually like understanding that the system effects are kind of quite strong specifically for Burnley and trying to like dig into that and evaluate like what actually it is that they're doing is is a you know really interesting question and something that you know we've kind of tried to look at and detach from you know just the the bigger picture there are this is their xg for the you know for the season <laughs> we I don't, I'm not even sure we've ever talked about like the real analysis on Burnley because like we kind of hit this the section where we end up with full Premier League data and then we didn't we didn't circle back around to it because we got to the World Cup. Um, mm. But yeah, we're the new data is is very interesting with regard to that, and I think we'll probably surface it um, in previews certainly. But you know, th- there's other articles to be written here. Well, but, you know, you know, Will's Will's doing the Burnley one, the Burnley preview. So we got okay. the right, we got the right man on the case there. <laughs> so I, I <laughs> no think pressure, that, Will. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, the one of the things that we haven't talked about that's quite interesting is, is simply that the new data uh, takes Burnley from basically bottom four, bottom five, somewhere in there, um, up to up to like ninth or tenth, uh, based off of our XG model. And when we say naive XG model, like people had this very bad reaction initially, but like, what do you call an XG model that doesn't know as much as this other XG model, right? And like, it's not pre-shot, post-shot; it's still pre-shot. Um, so like I just use the word naive as like the basic definition, and that's, <laughs> that's that's kind of what we've stuck to. But it just means it knows less, and it does. So that's where we're at. But I think the the, the swing in Burnley and and the systemic factors. You know, Sean Sean Dice occasionally sort of pokes at the media, wanting acknowledgement of of his his tactical new um, his, his tactical talent. To be totally honest with you. And I think that yeah, there's there's some stuff that we we found in the new data that says that you know they're doing a lot of things that that are not the same as the teams around them that you might think are the same. Yeah, some of, some of their aspects that were in relation to pressing look like a good like like quote unquote a good team. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like right, okay, like all the all the less good teams look like less good teams, but only something look like a good team. And it's like right, okay, their their normal expected goals don't look like a good team, but what they're doing on the pitch does. So hmm. There's, there's definitely some kind of relationship going on there, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Wait, well, what the hell's this got to do with transfers? <laughs> <laughs> Have yeah. they signed anybody? <laughs> no, I don't know actually. Let's have a look. It'll probably be disappointing. Uh, Burnley, who have they signed? They have no. They haven't signed anyone. See, there you go. That's why. That's why <laughs> we're talking about. That's why they're talking about tactically elements because they haven't signed anybody. <laughs> they don't need to. They don't need to. <laughs> play these same place forever. Alright, we can wrap things up here, Ted. Hang on, do we have any other juicy rumours? Come on, talk to me. Any, anything know. we can keep going? I love the transfer stuff. Everybody loves the transfer stuff. They do. What did we have on our list? Well, we've, we've, we've gone through... Oh, Alcant- Alcantara, maybe. Ah. Somewhere. I'd sign him in so a the, blink of an eye. 
But so there's like four guys on on Bayern that are definitely being shopped, and they were who kind of this? who does I haven't seen Vidal, right? Boateng, right? <laughs> and I think Bernat. There's talk about Coman going somewhere as well, I think. Uh, King, sure. Kingsley needs a place where he can play. Like, he's he really, really in that time. One of the big things about young player development is you got to be able to play. And if you're not getting the playing time, you just you don't really advance. And it's not playing time against kids. It's, it's, it's got to be playing time that means something at a, at a certain point. Right, so, yeah, I would sign Thiago, like, tomorrow. Um, I think talking about... How much? How much? Well... What is he? He's like 27, 28, isn't he? But like, and injured whatever. for half the season. Like, I think he's played one one year that has been 2,000 minutes or more. Mm. But I like him. Yeah, well, everybody does. <laughs> he's awesome. But if you, if you only get him for for less than half the time, like, how much do you like him? There's possibly not really a slot for him to go anywhere. You know, there was a rumor of Man United being interested, but I can't see Man United um, like doing more with their midfield. Jose seems to be like to do like make two or three signings and then kind of. And kind of just go with that. Which well, they got Fred, so it's Fred and Matic, presumably. Yeah, and you know Pogba's still around, so you know you've got you've got options. And Herrera's still there. You know, there's 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 plenty going on in 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 United's midfield. They don't need to like go out and necessarily get someone else. I suppose they could, but then who else could buy him? Like you know, Chelsea have just bought Jorginho, so like presumably they wouldn't be interested. Man City don't can't see them getting involved. Is he going to go back to Spain? Well, again, like who's gonna who's gonna come up with the money? So where does he go? I can't see, I can't see where he can go really. Well, they'll they'll find somewhere. West um, Ham? No, God no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's 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 the absolute you know it, uh, he's an absolute top tier player. Yeah. You, you can only see like turning out for like one of say like eight ten clubs in the world, and I can't see a space in one of those eight ten clubs. Or a lot, you know, and possible, you know, concerns about injuries that might make them reticent where otherwise they wouldn't wouldn't be. So yeah, it's, um, he might just end up staying at Bayern, which would make sense in itself. Yeah, well, I'm, Bayern have a lot of guys that they're willing to move on, and there's talent, but finding the the spots again, Bayern is the top of the food chain, so like the the money involved is pretty big. These guys' agents have to have to do the work in order to move them out. Um, on the other end of it, like I think you mentioned, you flagged up a, an interesting transfer too. Uh, one of them was Basuma at Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an opinion there? I think he's pretty good. He's a young player, and uh, you know, he's. I would certainly like take a good look at. I'm, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I looked at him a bit a while ago and thought that he he had a good skill set and and could progress well. Is he going to like land and and kick off in the Premier League? It's hard for a young player to come straight into a Premier League central midfield and perform well. But he's about as good as you're going to probably as good as you're going to get like in that kind of dynamic four out of the French league. I think yeah. I mean I'm I'm okay with that signing. I think that's 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 quite a thoughtful signing and we can go with that. Brighton have had a, a very busy, quietly busy summer. Um, so they brought in Florina and Doan, uh, who I thought was going to move two years ago, three years ago. Uh, we looked at him really closely. I thought he was going to move after Euros too. He never did. So they brought him. Um, they also bought Lacadia. They've still got him on squad. So like uh, at the moment, it looks like Brighton have five center forwards as well. Tomer Hamed is, is there. Glenn Murray, the eternal Glenn Murray. Uh, Sam Baldock, all quite old. Um, so Lacadia and, uh, and Doan are the only two that are kind of in the in the age range you would expect. Uh, Basuma, young, interesting. Bernardo, 
uh, signed out of Red Bull. Um, what was it? Nine million, ten million feet, like the right age. Balagoon comes over uh, from Mainz, I believe it is. Yeah, and then <laughs> then then the one my my Fulham friends are like absolutely cheering. They're like, "Oh my God, we got money for David Button. That's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like I shouldn't comment on that, but if the Fulham fans are, are really excited they managed to sell their backup goalkeeper to you, I'm not sure that's a good signing. I totally respect that Brighton seem to be completely ploughing their own field with regard to signings. It's like you know they're they're operating in a completely they're, they're well aware of their, their kind of size and, and you know scope. They can they've got some money they can, they can buy players, but like they're just buying players that no one else apparently is looking at or is interested in, which. You know, that's a little bit of the kind of the well, old ways, be. Ted, isn't it? You know, mm. unearthing gems and um, you know, making making sm- small gambles, but you know, smart gambles at the same time. Can't, feels it feels familiar. <laughs> I can't I can't argue with them. So good on them. Right, are you going to let me go now, Ted? I've mean, got to carry on talking about transfers. I guess I guess we can finish <laughs> up here if you want to. <laughs> I, the the tricky bit um, is that I'm on holiday for the next three weeks, so James might have to tab in somebody else to, to jabber about transfers. I might try and make one of those weeks come back, but we're going to try and make this a weekly podcast because we know you guys like it. And uh, if you do like our stuff, please uh, mention it to friends, recommend us, uh, give us feedback. You know, tell us what you hate about it as well. We do the same thing on the on the product side. Like, love to hear from from customers. And often when I when I go meet with them, I'm like, tell me what you hate either about your job or about our current product and things that we can make better. Uh, same thing about the podcast. Uh, it's not going to get longer. <laughs> and it's probably not going to get more frequent than weekly, but we've, we've done a pretty decent job this summer. Um, and that's about it. So keep reading statsbomb.com. We're going to have some great, great stuff coming up over previews, the next month. Previews will be along. You know, Mike's on, on the case with that. And, uh, you know, there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be more previews than ever, I think, probably. There will so, be. You know that's that's great. And, and um, we're going to keep doing some transfer stuff on the site and here. And if you like it, tell people about it. And thank you again for listening. Cheerio. <laughs>